the government of Indonesia is going to use that uh, G20 meeting as a occasion to showcase Chinese-built high-speed rail. And now other countries are looking at asking China to help into this building of infrastructure. After the 20th Party Congress, there's been quite a discussion, quite a bit of discussion in the internet on uh, the concept of the modernization. Now, as someone who's followed China's modernization pro- process over the last 40 years, uh, I've come to some conclusions. I remember in the 1970s and 80s, people thought about modernization as westernization. Even in some instances, it was considering uh, China's modernization should become Americanization, learn from the U.S., do things as the U.S. does, and so on. But now, I think the 20th Party Congress talked about modernization in a different context. How did modernization occur in China? And uh, I'd like to share what I've seen, my experiences in, in seeing the process over the last 40 years. Two things. One is China's modernization has taken on a distinctly different path from that of the U.S. and the West or European modernization. European modernization, um, the accumulation of capital and industrialization was based very much on colonization of the developing world. So there's been quite a bit of plunder in the original capital formation. And the industrialization process uh, required the capital and capital was provided therefrom. China could do that. China could not exploit, plunder, and colonize countries to accumulate its wealth and resources for modernization. What China did was something quite different. It had to accommodate the specific circumstances of China. Very large population, very poor initially, and also had to maintain social stability. So the Chinese concept of modernization incorporated some of the concepts from the West, including industrialization, for example. But in many ways, it's different to accommodate the Chinese circumstances. Second part, which is important, is we now see what modernization in the U.S. has brought about. It brought about polarization of society, extreme concentration of wealth, whereby you have a few dozen people each own tens of billions of dollars, but still more than half a million people are homeless on the streets. So this polarization in terms of wealth, in terms of social discord, and so on and so forth, is something that I think the Chinese government and the Chinese leadership uh, aim to avoid. That's one part in terms of the uh, China's modernization. The second, the second thing to look at in terms of China's modernization is how do you make best use of your resources and your strengths and your positive energy efficiently to, um, to accelerate the modernization process. And China's modernization has, I, I would break it into three sections. One is social, second is economic, and third is moral. In terms of the social side, alleviation of extreme poverty was set as a target 
as a very important target. And China has achieved that, lifting hundreds of millions of people out of extreme poverty. Second part of the social side is education and healthcare. Now healthcare is available to all. Now education is interesting that in 1949, when China with People's Republic was established, we actually had a situation in which literacy rate was under 10%. In other words, 90% of the population were illiterate. But today, literacy rate is over 90%, less than 10% of the illiteracy rate. So education was a priority. Alleviation, poverty, education, and so on, on the social side was significant. On the economic side, growth was brought about through strategic planning and execution. And one key component of this in terms of industrialization to bring about the creation of value in the economy is infrastructure building. China's infrastructure is now known as the best in the world and the most modern. Just look at the high-speed rail and ports and airports and so on. It was organized, it was executed, it was focused on, it was something that the government took pains to achieve. Without the infrastructure, industrialization could not have occurred the way it occurred as quickly as it occurred. This is some, this is something that I think many developing countries are beginning to learn from. You have to build infrastructure. Without building infrastructure, you can't industrialize and modernize. Uh, and I think at the G20 meeting in Bali this year, actually next month, uh, the first China built high-speed rail in Indonesia is going to be showcased at that G20 meeting. And it's quite interesting that the government of Indonesia is going to use that uh, G20 meeting as a occasion to showcase Chinese-built high-speed rail. And now other countries are looking at asking China to help into this building of infrastructure. I think uh, the success of Chinese growth story cannot be separated from the focus, the concentration, and the extension of resources and execution by the Chinese government in building infrastructure. As we know, I can I can say that uh, this is probably recognized by all, that the most modern supply chain in the world today is actually that of Asia with China at its core. And that comes from a very, very powerful infrastructure building program that occurred over the last 40 years. And then, of course, part of the economic side is organized reform and opening up. And this is also part of the modernization program of China in terms of learning from the more advanced countries in terms of technology, in terms of organization, in terms of the application of technology to manufacturing and so on and so forth. So this organized reform and opening up, and the reform part is, of course, is to accommodate changes in circumstances in terms of globalization, in terms of how to make best use of the resources that China can access. On the moral side, I think this is really very significant. Uh, it's not something that's covered by media in the West, of course, is the focus of the Chinese society as a whole is on the collective good rather than extreme individualism, which is a, a core of U.S. and Western, I think, 
including European countries, in their personal standards, individualism. Uh, we've seen this in a very, very concrete case in terms of the COVID-19 pandemic. Freedom to choose means freedom to choose to not to wear a mask. But what does that mean? That means freedom to pass the germs to other people also. So on the Chinese side, I think the promotion of Chinese cultural heritage of seeking collective good for the society as a whole, rather than promoting, I'm the best. I have the freedom to choose. I have to be given that freedom, no, even if it's detrimental to the rest of the society. Um, that's something that is quite different. So I think uh, what we have in terms of uh, China's concept of modernization and what we've seen occurring in terms of China's modernization um, includes very different and distinct features from what was conceived of, of as modernization 30, 40 years ago when it was westernization, Americanization. I think for many developing countries, they're beginning to find in my conversations with the leading elite in developing countries, they're beginning to find that number one, modernization has to go on the basis of your specific circumstances. And also modernization does not mean westernization. There are very distinct features in the Chinese case and the Chinese experience that they can benefit from. I think uh, for every developing country, they have to look at their own circumstances. Speaking to the ambassador of Samoa, for example, population of a couple hundred thousand, a bunch of islands, how can you export the China model to Samoa? You cannot. Or many smaller countries in Africa, um, which doesn't have the resources that, let's say, the Middle Eastern countries have in terms of oil, circumstances will be very different as well. So I think if there is anything to, to be said about the Chinese experience, is you have to take fully into account the specific circumstances of each country and to accommodate those circumstances and develop on the basis of the resources and the specific advantages and disadvantages of each country and and then to work therefrom rather than the China model. Because I think for the West, they feel threatened is because China has been very successful in terms of its industrialization, its modernization, and its tremendous growth in terms of poverty alleviation and wealth creation for the whole country as a whole, for the country as a whole, for the entire society. They feel threatened is because they cannot play the high moral ground game anymore. They cannot say that we did it because of freedom and democracy. We did it because of our political system. 